Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Donnie Wyatt, founder and CEO of CoConstruct. You know, technology is a critical component to adding efficiency and scalability to a growing remodeling company. But that doesn't mean tech is the answer to everything. Well, Donnie's going to share the do's and don'ts to implementing technology in your business in just a minute. You just mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. How about a frisk? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Hello, hello, everybody. So, you know, I love technology, but it is a challenge to get it right, you know? Just trying to filter through the hundreds of thousands of platforms and softwares Mm -hmm. and every category has 60 competitors in it and you just don't even know where to start. And so many companies jump around, like they'll start with one, but they don't invest enough time to really get it going or or something happens that they just leave it on the shelf. Yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating. You know, I consider myself semi- Techie, but oh, yeah, quite a bit could, techie, I'd say. I could sit there for hours just trying to decide which one's the right platform to mm-hmm. use or which the right solution mm-hmm. for this next thing. Because you also got to think about the future too. It may work now, but is it going to work in the future? So right. Just trying to parse that out. I think we got the right person to help us figure that out today, though. Oh, I do too. You know, he's founder of one of the the most popular programs in the industry. So I'm looking forward to talking to him. Absolutely. All right, let's dive to it. So back in 2005, Donnie Wyatt was a homeowner who had a typical but frustrating building experience, and he used that as his inspiration to start a web-based system to help remodelers and custom builders end the chaos in their days and create rewarding business experiences for them and for their clients. Today, CoConstruct is rated as the number one software of its type by Software Advice and Finances Online, And as CEO, Donnie leads their team of nearly 100 people, serving over 5,000 remodelers and custom builders across the U.S., Canada, and beyond. Welcome to the show, Donnie. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. Gosh, get to talk about all this cool new stuff that's coming down the pike, eh? And that's already there and existing. Yeah, and it changes every day. So uh, there's always something new to chat about, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, you work with all these different remodelers uh, and builders. What do you see as some of the challenges that you that you and the program that you develop, what, do you, what, are, what are the challenges that you feel technology is really addressing? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes in kind of in a couple different flavors. It's interesting. I started the company in 2005, which, um, you know, anybody that has been around is like, oh, man, you know how to pick a great time to <laughs> yeah, you know, no start kidding. a software business selling in the, the residential construction space, <laughs> right? Um, and so, you know, if you want to kind of divide it up into, into two camps, um, right as the downturn hit, uh, and, and obviously there were more folks out there chasing fewer number of jobs, mm-hmm. it was really about the client experience. And so whether you were really customer focused or not, uh, you kind of had to be, right? You had to stand out from everyone else. And so it was, how are you going to provide a better building experience um, in addition to factors of cost and design and kind of all of those other aspects. And so, you know, that was a big driver for us in the early days. And, and having been a frustrated home buyer, that kind of played right to where we were of creating a good experience. And so, you know, that's kind of one thrust where technology used 
right. So it's just like any other tool, right? Like you use mm-hmm. it well or you use it really, really not well uh, makes a big difference. So that's one piece where technology really helps. And the other part, I think, is what most people think about first is the productivity side of it. Um, right. it's, it's like, how do you be efficient? How do you scale? How do you, you know, do more with less? Um, you know, and that's the other big piece of it. And, um, and, and with the market then turning upwards, you know, to a certain extent, people, uh, some people kind of backed off of the client experience piece a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and have been really focused on the productivity. I think we're really blessed with customers that they care a lot about that customer experience. They haven't lost their hold on that, but they're also trying to figure out you know, how to scale at the same time. Okay, so just to clarify for our listening audience, I get the productivity part, right? And I, you know, as the, the skilled labor shortage is getting to be more and more pronounced, people are turning toward technology to really add that edge and let them do more with fewer people, avoid hiring grab people off the streets and all that stuff. Talk to me a little bit more about the client experience. How does software help people deliver a more robust client experience? Yeah. Well, it, you know, if you think about, I love the bank example. Um, you know, when was the last time you went to a bank to get cash? Right. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I avoid like my local Bank of America branch, like the plague. It's like my grandmother's grandmother still sitting there. She's never moved. Like, you know, and, and, and just the interactions. The trust. She's a very sweet lady. She always has been for the 200 years she's been sitting there. But, but, it, it, but it's like, that's, that's not, that's not value added to me. Like, I want to be able to get the cash and go. And if I need to have a more substantive conversation, then that's a different story. And so, you know, it, it, it's the same deal, you know, with clients. If I need to, if you need to know if you're a, you know, remodeling client, it's like, okay, well, with the, with the granite upgrade and everything else, so where am I cost-wise on my project? Do you need to trade a bunch of emails back and forth? Do you, you, know, do you want to have a phone call? Do you want to have a couple of voicemails to schedule time? Or do you want to just look, right? And it's, it's the same kind of idea that our expectations around what, good service looks like um, has shifted over time. And, um, you know, to talking about there in the intro where you say, hey, you know, is technology that works today, is it still going to work in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, as we've grown our business, you know, we've changed a lot of business processes. And there are things that, that kind of broke down over time when we looked. It's like, gosh, was that horrible? Do we make a horrible choice? It's like, no, it was a good choice then, but your context changes, right? And mm-hmm. so in the future, what worked then wasn't wrong, but it may not work now. It's the same thing as technology that, you know, we've got a large age span of customers. And mm-hmm. so we've got folks, some folks that say, well, I want to provide personal service. I don't want to, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to communicate online or in a mobile app and realize, you know what, like that our definition of service has changed over time. And now that is how many people are best served is by using that technology. And um, you have to have a special mindset to make sure that you're doing that well without losing that personal connection. Well, so tell me about that mindset. I mean, I, I sort of get it, right? It, service has changed. It used to be a lot of hand-holding and handshaking and no contracts and all of that sort of thing. And now it's not just the business owner that has changed. You're saying the needs of the consumer. Yeah. Consumers have changed, right? And to, I mean, we see this everywhere. I mean, you've talked about it in your other podcasts as well, too. So whether it is the profile of the people that um, are your customers, profile of your employees, like there's the millennial mm. factor along the way. Um, you know, transparency is a, a big deal. The days of, hey, just trust me, I'll shield you from all of the nasty details and just trust me, it'll be fine. That dynamic is now hey, I'm going to show you all of the details, be completely transparent. And because we're looking at the same info, that's how you know that we're fine, right? And, and trust manifests itself a different way today. Um, and we see it everywhere else, you know, in life. You look at, you know, how many times do you go to the doctor and you haven't tried to look up first and diagnose yourself <laughs> right. on, on what the issue is, right? And I'm annoyed when I have to go to my GP. I really question, like, is my GP really worth it? It's like, you know what? I got these three things and this is the doctor I want to go to, not not the GP. And it, that same dynamic applies, you know, in a remodeling project and a custom home building project, right? And so it, it's nothing against, 
I think the beauty of it actually is that a lot of that time-sucking, low-value-added work that remodelers used to do, clients to a certain extent, certain extent, right, can can self-educate on that. And now you get to provide a lot more information um, and a lot more valuable conversations because the little namby-pamby details they've already found elsewhere. Or you've been able to provide in some sort of online way. Okay. So, so let's talk a little bit. There's all sorts of different choices out there. There's all sorts of different softwares that a remodeler or builder can choose. How should someone go about assessing the software that's right for them or the technology? I mean, because it's a lot more than just software, right? I mean, there's all yeah. sorts. How would you, before we even get to that, how would you encompass you know, what's all in that world of technology that remodelers and builders are using? So, uh, so I'm hoping I'm answering your question the right way, because I'll, I'll give you what sounds like a super basic answer, but I keep coming back to this, um, is you have to know what problem it is you're trying to solve, <laughs> which, sound, which sounds obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but software, you know, our software, you know, other folks that we compete against, um, you know, rewind 10 or 12 years, like they did a whole lot less than what they do today, which is great that they're so comprehensive. Um, but now it's like you get in, you're like, man, where do where do I start? And so you may say, look, I'm like, it's a nightmare of doing scheduling, right? Mm-hmm. I'm tired of emailing and calling people and trades and in the phone tag till 10 at night and text messages and all this stuff. I want to go solve that. So you go out finding that and there are lots of different solutions out there to that. Uh, some of which are, you know, can be kind of homegrown. You don't have to go get something like, you know, uh, you know, you know, our system or others that are out there. And so, it, but then you start to see, oh, but hey, there's a system that could do, you know, this thing over here for timesheets. And there's this thing for selections, this thing for communication. And you get excited about all the stuff it could do. And you, you lose focus, you know, the whole, like, keep the, you know, the main thing, the main thing. And, and that's one of the biggest mistakes that we see. There's really two things. It's realizing that you're losing focus on what you're really after. So you get a system that does a lot of things, but doesn't do the one or two things you're really after really well. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a shiny objects kind of pull you off guard. Um, and the second is if you find a system that does those things well, happens to do lots of other things, you try to go implement the 10 favorite things that you have all at the same time and you get 50, 50% of the way through all of them. Okay. So you get 50% of 10 things done, you still have Zippo actually implement, <laughs> right. right? So find the five things and take them all the way. Or, or honestly, like when we, when we do our live training sessions with clients, I tell them like, pick the one or two things. Like you can still do five, but you're going to do one and you take it across the finish line. Instead of taking three months to do five, why don't you take two weeks and do one of them and then take three weeks and do the next one and the next one and just take those baby steps. And, and so the biggest failure to launch um, when you're, when you finally find a solution that you think solves that is just getting too excited and trying to do too much at one time. So what, and again, I'm going to be jumping around you a little bit here, but yeah. what are the main problems that you see your clients trying to solve? Uh, so they will come in, in a, a few main buckets. One will be just the project management, um, you know, scheduling side of things that taking on more projects than ever, trying to move through them faster and just like coordinating where everybody's supposed to be at different times and, and, and having a, a snowball's chance of knowing what that delivery date is really going to be with a degree of accuracy. Um, second piece comes around on the financials side of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, how do I actually know where I am? The whole like, you know, it's kind of overused example, but the you know, check the bank account at the end and see if I'm, I'm up or down. I know your folks, Victoria, like you guys have a ton of things to mm-hmm. help them get way past that stage, but uh, it takes some work, yes, <laughs> right? Yes, to it know. does. It's, it's totally worth it, but like you, you got you to gotta go after it. Um, and so it's all that financial management piece of, of things. And then, and the third part really is around the client experience. And, and that can be, you can be selfish in that. You can want your clients to have a great experience, but you can also realize that there's this tremendous personal toll of a 
ton of emails and a ton of communication and ton of back and forth to make sure they have that. And is there a way to give your clients that experience without so much burden, um, you know, on the remodelers team? And so those, the, the project management, the financial management, and that client management, those are kind of the three big drivers that we tend to see. So Donnie, to dovetail off of that, what do you think is the right move to, to try to find kind of that all-in-one, everything encompassing platform or to find multiple platforms and having um, one that can do problem A, another one that'll solve problem B and, and have, have because it also kind of seems like you, you're kind of um, lowering the, the threshold for, for learning one big complex program. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have a good answer for you, so I'm just going to talk for okay, a minute. How cool. about that, Mark? Right, right? Well, uh, it is, it, you want to talk about football? So, because there's, and, and come out of even the construction space, like software in general for years has had this battle of um, all-in-one versus best-in-breed, right? Mm. So best-in-breed is I've, if there are five different things I need to accomplish, I'm going to go find the five-point solutions and maybe or maybe not string them together, right? And kind of do your own integration or do the best or do the, do the all-in-one. So it's all under one roof. The, you know, the risky run of that is like, okay, it's all there, but um, just because it's all-in-one, does that mean it's really good, right? Uh-huh, and and uh-huh. so then there's some trade-offs. And um, I think all of us in this space are saying, well, I want to be best and all-in-one. You know, yeah, so that's right. what we're striving toward, right? Like we don't want our, our, our customers to have to make that, that trade-off um, and that decision. But the... I would say the key thing to look at, and it's easier actually to find, because uh, usually there are a couple of drivers, there are maybe a couple of things that a remodeler is looking for when they're looking for software, that's going to automatically gravitate them toward a larger solution that, that's the all-in-one piece. The piece that I would encourage you to do is exercise some self-control and say, look, it, it can do 30 different things. I'm going to pick these two and I'm going to, I'm going to implement them. Um, some of our most successful customers that have been with us for a decade or more that, you know, come out and stump for us at trade shows, they are using 20, 25% of our system. Oh my um, gosh, and really? It just, and it just kills me. Right. Um, but you wow. know, what? Who, who am I to say that, that they need to be using more? Like, they love it. They're happy with it. Their return on investment is is crazy high. Um, but then you'll get another one that comes along and they're using 20%, but it's totally different 20%. Oh my gosh. Than, than what the other one's using. So I'm a big fan of the 80-20 rule. You could ask any of my team members are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to puke if he talks about it one more time. <laughs> um, but, but, it, but, it really, it, but it really is. It, it really is true. And so if you can find a system, um, you know, that, that does those core things, you're only using 20% of it and, and you got what you want, then it, don't don't sweat it. Go do go play with your kids instead of worrying about the other eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good philosophy. Yeah, well, you know, so, so many people just kind of feel like I need to get my money's worth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So right. And, yeah, and 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 that's where actually there's all of this, um, you know, sort of psychological research around like what does that mean and what is our perception right. um, of of getting our money's worth. And actually, I was just uh, uh, looking at a, a book this week and things that we owned. There was a study where. Um, they, they split people into two camps and they um, gave half of the group a free mug. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, uh, now that you have your free mug, if you were to sell this mug, how much would you sell it for? Uh, and they're like, hmm, $5.50. Now, remember, they hadn't paid for the mug at all. It was like a freebie. Uh, so then they asked the other half that didn't have a mug, say, hey, how much would you pay for that mug? And it came in about like two dollars mm-hmm. and fifty cents. And so it's this interesting thing. Like it was e- either group. Like nobody had anything invested in this, but the things that you have um, suddenly your your value perception changes because you have it. And so this is psychological thing of if I've got a hundred percent of a system and I'm only using twenty percent, and I'm you know I'm making oodles of money because of it. That 
just as humans, that part we're not using bothers us, even Mm -hmm. though it's completely irrational. So uh, it's hard to fight uh, emotional irrationality. But um, at the end of the day, if, 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 if you're really analytical and thinking through it, knowing what you want going in, knowing what success looks like. And if that only uses fraction of the system, but you're, you know, you're meeting your definition of success and the other part really doesn't matter. That's a great point. So, okay, you go out, you research a bunch of softwares, you know what your problem is, you figure that you found the answer, so you purchase it. Now, besides the owner being all invested, woohoo, ready to go, efficiencies, how do you drive that adoption through the staff? What? You mean just having an excited owner doesn't magically make it happen everywhere? <laughs> in, in our company, company it does, because you know, there you are. I'm just saying, pick me up off the floor. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a great question and, and one that we wrestle with, because uh, honestly, we, we will lose customers um, over this because owner's super excited. Um, he or she may not have pulled in some other key people in the organization, even in the sales process of understanding what it is and what that payoff is. Um, so there, there are a few things that I like to, to think about along the way, because because when something like that happens and someone ends up pulling the plug, you know, on our system, often it's well, I couldn't I couldn't get my team to buy in. Right. Um, and then we'll come back. It's like, well, well, what is it that you wanted them to buy into? Why were we even doing? They're like, well, I want everything in one place. Like that's a, a good example of something somebody wants. It's like, well, what does that mean? Right. I mean, like we all get that. But like, what is ev- what is everything? I mean, all your time clock data, you want all your change orders, you want all your schedules. Um, you got to kind of figure out what everything means. And so oftentimes um, what looks like resistance from your team is often just a lack of clarity in what you're asking them to do. It's a leadership challenge. Right. Um, you know, if you have a client and, and they say, hey, you know, build me a new kitchen. And you're like, great. Well, you know, what, what is, what, you know, what do you want? They're like, I, I want it. I want it better. I want it better than my <laughs> right. current kid. Yeah. You know, and then, and then they might drop and they're out. Well, imagine how much standing around there is of scratching the head, not getting any work done, trying to figure out what that means. It's the same thing when the owner says, Hey, I want the system and we're going to put everything in it. It's going to be great. And that's the extent of the direction given. No, no wonder the teams, they're not resistant. They're just unclear on what they're being asked to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that's one of the biggest things is understanding, like, what is it that you want and communicating that clearly. And that that stretches way beyond software. That's just a sure. kind of a leadership challenge in general. And, right. and man, am I guilty of, I think a lot of business owners are guilty. They can see it in their head. Yes. But they fail to convey that message to the team. So go back for a minute. You mentioned about bringing other people in as they're making decisions. So let's let's pretend we're let's imagine a remodeling company owner walking through a trade show and got this big crowd of people around your booth and a big crowd or long, yeah. next the other guy's booth yeah. and you're going ah, and the owner going talks to everybody gets a vibe. This is the one I want. What should he or she do to get other people involved and how many people and who and what's the point? Yeah. Um, so I would, uh, so, so two, two things. One, um, it's going to be, you kind of know in your business who the drivers are for getting things done in general with that software otherwise. So those key drivers need to be in. Um, and then who are the curmudgeons? In the business that <laughs> right. Even if they're not the drivers, they are the ones that will lay down and make a human road bump as big as it needs for the whole thing to go off the tracks, right? Yes, right. And everybody knows who those are. <laughs> yes, also. they do. <laughs> um, and, and I would get those folks. And actually trade shows are fat. It's, you know, I love being able to get face-to-face contact because it's like, bring them in. And like, we all gather around, you know, gather around the computer and they'll, they'll come back three or four times or anything. And it, it's a matter of getting them all in. Um, and so I, I would say if, if looking at any software, most of us do online demos, you know, that's how most of this happens. Like I would, I'd get all your, your key drivers and the key curmudgeons 
in the same room and 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 do it together because even if you do it separately man that 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 feedback that that matters because that's how it's going to play out you know in real life um and so there actually the two lessons that, that we learned from that one is especially on the curmudgeon side um i a lot of stories of people that have signed up with us they have canceled said they couldn't they just didn't work for them six months later they come back sign up we're like we're so glad you're here by the way why is this time going to be different and they're like well Curmudgeon doesn't work with us anymore. Ah. <laughs> um, and, and what it was, you know, and, and there's always part of like, oh, well, I don't like, I hate to be at the root of that. But what it did is trying something new, pushing the business forward, exposes those people yeah. that just don't have that growth mindset and mm-hmm. don't want to move forward in the business. And uh, if it had been us, it had been some other non-software thing, that person was going to stay in the way because they were going to stay in the way of anything. Um, and so it's an interesting opportunity to evaluate your people, make sure just your team has the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunate for us, I'm glad they come back, right? And then, and then it's this you know, swimming success. Um, the, the second piece is in terms of getting buy-in, your whole team doesn't have to do this at the same time. Let's say you've got you know, six people on your team that would mm-hmm. be involved in the software system. Maybe it's the owner and maybe one other person. Like you take your, you know, if you got a couple of project managers, maybe one of your project managers, and they do it for a couple of months, right? Get some wins under their belt, and then they start to sell it inside the business. Oh, it's not okay. the owner saying, hey, it's going to be great. There's, uh, you know, the same reason we all use, you know, referrals in our business. Like you're going to believe, uh, you know, a kind of a peer that's, that's had the experience more than a salesperson or an owner. And so you have to sell it internally. And that couple months that you spend, you're getting value out of that one project manager that's sure. doing it. Yeah. But it is so much easier to get everybody else in the company to buy in because they start to feel that emotional connection. It's like, mm-hmm. well, geez, it's Joe. Look at mm-hmm. what Joe did. Like mm-hmm. Joe's getting more stuff done or, you know, Joe was able to, you know, actually cut out at a decent time most of the nights this week. And I, I want that too. Um, and it's a great way to help your people help sell it to your others. In the company. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting. So we've seen it here. We you know don't use the same type of software, but we've got a pretty robust CRM that everybody's involved in or, but new people coming in, we sort of let slide for a while. And then we started pushing them to get involved. Once they did, they were all in they're loving it. And just the, so the connectedness to the rest of the company and all the things that are going on. It's an awesome experience. Yeah. It's, and it's, um, I mean, it's basic selling, right? I mean, I, I'm always amazed at how many of these complex problems of implementing software, all this stuff comes down to basic human stuff, right? It's like, Hey, the, what's in it for me. I want to know what my peers are doing. You know, I want to be emotionally invested. Like we're all, we all think we're more logical than what we are, but it's that emotional investment uh, piece of it. And it's the same thing that I bet if you're good at selling to your customers, there's no reason why you can't use those same skills to sell uh-huh. software or other initiatives within your company. We just tend to like silo those skill sets and realize, man, there's so much leverage if you're good at one of those to transfer it over to, to have a great experience with your team. Okay. So That's you, great. yeah, really, I just love listening to you because it's not just technology, right? It's not just software. It's business. Yeah, the tech stuff's boring. The human, stuff, <laughs> the human stuff's messy. I mean, that's where we got into the, our tech is just trying to offset the messiness of human nature. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and guess what? Tech ain't going to solve all of it. So there's still a lot of other stuff to talk about. Right. So. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So we've got uh, focus on the, the problem. Find a solution to the problem. Focus on one or two elements of the solution. Bring in the, the, the drivers and the naysayers when you're presenting it and discussing it and talking about the goals and so on. And then set it up so one or two people in the company maybe are the champions of that and moving forward. What did I miss? No, that, that's perfect. You said it so much faster than me. You didn't even need me on this. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> paraphrasing, my dear, paraphrasing. That's great. All right, that's really awesome. Oh, no, you know, there was another thing that came up. What happens or have you seen 
this uh, scenario. Technology is used to solve one problem, but all of a sudden you start to see the effects of that technology in other areas. Yeah, um, that I think that's one of the coolest parts um, of it because it's one of those you you look back and you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But when you're in the moment, um, you don't see it coming. So, so one one scenario that comes to mind, it was a, a client of ours. He had been with another firm, decided to start his own firm. So he and his wife were striking out and like the father-in-law is going to be part-time. It's kind of one of these stories. Mm-hmm. And scheduling was his big thing. He was like, look, I'm going to, I want to run a tight schedule. And because we all we all know what scheduling is supposed to look like, but everybody also knows how to shoot from the hip. But he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it right from the start, like good habits from day one of my new business. And so, um, you know, so we did, and he, um, you know, happened to, to make us part of that mix. And so he spent a lot of time getting his schedules just right. And he was, had a target number of projects that he was going to do. And so, you know, he started off and things were, things were actually going, things were actually going pretty well. And, and his, um, you know, completion times on his projects came in shorter than what he thought and like, Oh, great. All the things that scheduling is supposed to do, you know, it did. And a lot of people would just kind of leave it there, but then he was like, well, kind of have some time on my hands now because, um, uh, the scheduling's going, going great. It's like, well, what should I do with my extra time? It's like, well, I have time, more time to go sell. Ooh. So then he, then he goes out and starts selling more, but because he's scheduling his jobs more efficiently, um, he's able to get more done, like more projects yep. in the same time period. One of your other guests talked about um, the goal was, was one of his favorite books. It's yes. all about throughput. I, I love yes. that book. It's the same idea of just being able to move stuff through faster. And so it was this positive feedback loop that because he focused on scheduling, it actually had this tremendous effect on his sales. And he ended up doing five times the oh my that he expected within 18 months. Um, and all it was, was he made one part good. He re, you know removed the bottlenecks and then he had the free time. Um, and then he put it back into sales and it just kept yeah. going and going and going. And so nobody hardly ever does somebody say, Hey, you know what? I'm trying to sell more. So I'm going to do scheduling software. Right. Like, right. Don't connect the dots, but it's perfectly logical when you, of when course. you, yeah, that's an awesome story. I love that. The side effects. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, and side again, effects are bigger than the primaries, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. That's great. All right. So I got one last question for you, Donnie. Are you ready for the lightning round? All right. Let's do it. <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't sleep last night because of this. So let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> and now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap. Okay, here we go. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Okay. What's your favorite business book and why? Uh, it's a book called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath, mm-hmm. and it's all about change management and business. A lot of the stuff I talked about here, I just stole from them, but it's a great read. If you weren't the CEO of Co-Construct, what do you think you'd be doing? I would, uh, I would own a radio station. Really? That's cool. Yeah. What are you not very good at? Probably... Tolerating mediocrity. Oh, <laughs> you must be annoying sometimes, <laughs> uh, or, or, or more than sometimes. Yes, yeah, so, no, yep. Your room, your desk, or your car. Which do you clean first? My car. What's your least favorite holiday? Oh gosh, Labor Day, because I always end up working on it, so it just oh. irritates me. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking it literally. <laughs> yeah, I take it literally. It just runs me the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. What's your biggest pet peeve? Um, people chewing with their mouth open. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's awesome, Donnie. Thank you so much for being part of this. You know, it's exciting to hear from uh, the other side of the technology world because you're so immersed, immersed, enmeshed in it. We'll have to do some editing on that one, won't we? Um, so enmeshed in it. That's really an awesome to be able to hear your side of the story and, and share some of your insights. 
So tell our listening audience how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, about co-construct. Yeah. Uh, so the easiest thing is probably visit our website, just uh, co-construct.com. Um, got information there on, on our system itself. But if you look up at the top, we actually have what we call a resource center. So we've got um, white papers, other webinars that we've done um, right. over time that are, um, I mean, you see the system, but they were really focused for our customers on other business issues that they're dealing with. So actually some of the stories I referenced here, you can actually hear the people behind that and talk ah. about that. And so it's just a great thing to, uh, you know, kind of look at that that's even kind of divorced from, uh, you know, what co-construct itself does. So uh, come check it out. Co-construct.com. All right. Great. And I think Mark's going to be putting that on. Uh... I'll put it on the show notes. Yep. Okay, great. Perfect. So before we let you off the hook here, we want you to share your five words of wisdom. It's amazing the number of six words of wisdom I came up with while trying to prepare for this. So, yeah. so, uh, so my five words require some explanation, but it is don't stop in the puddle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you can see why that requires some explanation. Yes, I do. So, uh, so long story short, um, I was taking my daughter to a soccer tournament out of town. It was a torrential da- downpour, little side street. Um, we were trying to get to the hotel rain just crashing down so I couldn't really see the road I'm driving and all of a sudden I knew exactly where I was supposed to be going but something just felt weird and I the windshield cleared just enough to see I'd driven into about 24 inches of water in a little flash flood oh wow and and I have never driven through a flash flood so no imminent danger we weren't going off a bridge and and you could tell that if I just kept going forward like we would make it through just steady all the way through um but instead as I'm going through I'm like oh is this the right move? And I knew it was the right move. I knew where I was going. I knew what I needed to do. I knew we were safe, but I took the foot off the gas. And apparently as everybody other than me knows that when your tailpipe is covered with water, you know, that causes, and you take the foot off the gas, the exhaust stops stops coming out, the water rushes in, and then suddenly you've got a $19,000 check from your insurance company for new engine. Oh, no. All right. (laughs) Um, And so there are times that it is good to stop and think about, hey, what what am I doing? Is the status quo the right move? But there are other points where you got your direction set, you've done your planning, you know that you're safe. And you know what? Even if there's some resistance, you got to keep pushing forward. Don't stop in the puddle. (laughs) Those are my five words. That's perfect. And that is so applicable. I mean, I've talked to members all the time. They're just, they're so afraid to make a move that they might make a mistake. Don't stop in the puddle. Go. That is awesome. Expensive in a whole lot of ways. (laughs) Thank you so much, Donnie. This was awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks. Donnie. Great time. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you later. I love having him on. Man, what a live wire. You just feel the energy, you yeah, know? Yeah, he's, he's, all, he's always fun to talk to. Yeah. He's, he's so full of energy. And, and he doesn't get all wound up in all the technical stuff at all. No, and yeah, he speaks, you know, he doesn't get into all the jargon and stuff. And, you know, he's got some fantastic analogies. I love, <laughs> yes. I've said before, I love, I'm a, I'm, I love me a good analogy. Right. And uh, the human road bumps. Yes, I like that one too. Fantastic. That was great. That was I mean, great. And you can just imagine it, right? Oh, I, there were, there were like three people that I, <laughs> Instantly pictured, like <laughs> laying across the hallway. That's right. Trying to prevent Stop. people from moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> really. And uh, and and the curmudgeons. Yep. yep Identify sure. your key curmudgeon. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yes, yeah. it is. I wonder if his if co-construct is curmudgeon proof. We should have asked him. Yes, I should have. Yeah. He, well, if it's not, he needs to to, to insert that. Well, I know we visited their offices once, and they certainly didn't seem like there were any curmudgeons. They were. It was high energy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was some good stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
you're going to always run into, and I think he made a great point. You should, you, you don't just sell clients and prospects. Mm-hmm. You, you, you should always be selling everyone and that includes your staff and you For can't sure. just roll something into the door and say, Hey, we're going to start using this. We mm-hmm. need to, you need to sell them on it and explain the benefits and, and kind of work them through it so that they accept it. Cause we've seen it too. I mean, you know, it just happens. People, if they're not bought in and you were lazy in trying to implement something, then you're just setting the whole thing up to fall apart. Yes. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Well, another good episode. Yeah, it was a great one. So, um, thanks for being here. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.